chapter 6, and beginning with verse 9. Beloved, beloved, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 9. The writer is speaking uh, out of love and affection. Yes, he has things to say that are honest, blunt, that are very much in the nature of rebuke. But the Bible tells us, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. It's better to hear the rebuke, the Bible says, of wise men than to hear the songs of uh, fools. Beloved, we are persuaded good things of you, things which accompany salvation. The word accompany is a strong word. It means things that are inseparably joined or connected to salvation. What are some things that are joined in that way to salvation? The list is long. Repentance, faith, uh, humility, hatred of sin, peace from God, fear of the Lord, obedience to his commands, love of his word, prayer, a desire to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, a love for the brethren, a love for the souls of the lost, a willingness to sacrifice, to serve, and to suffer for the gospel, a looking forward to the second coming of Christ. All of these things accompany salvation. All of these things are joined to salvation. And if you'll allow me to use this statement, what God has joined together, let not man, let not man put uh, asunder. Uh, what accompanies your salvation? What accompanies my salvation? The Bible speaks of carnal believers, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, of those who are saved as if by fire, as if uh, by fire. Uh, beloved, we're persuaded better things of you, things which accompany uh, salvation. Uh, that's where good things come from. Uh, they come joined with God's work, God's saving work in people's hearts and uh, lives. God is not unrighteous to forget your work. Now, what are some of the things that they had done? If you'll turn with me to chapter 10, we can read uh, verses 32 through 34. It says, Call to remember the former days, Hebrews 10:32, in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions, partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and also partly while you became companions of them who were so used. So you endured difficulty yourself, hardship and suffering for the sake of, uh, the, of the gospel, and you stood with those who were facing such difficulty. And he goes on to say, you had compassion on me in my bonds, and you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring uh, substance. Uh, God is not unrighteous to forget uh, your work. Uh, your work. If you go back to the uh, verses uh, that are before our passage, uh, the writer speaks about fruit. He speaks about rain coming upon certain plots of ground, 
no fruit, nothing but thorns and briars. Uh, but that's one response. There's another uh, response uh, in the second part of verse 7 where it says it brings forth herbs fit for them by whom it is tilled and it receives blessing from, uh, from God. Uh, God will not uh, forget uh, this uh, work. Not because this work is saving. The Bible doesn't teach that, doesn't teach it here, doesn't teach it other, in other places, not at all. But because this work shows that there is faith. Uh, 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 look at what he says after that. It is a labor of love. This, this work shows that there is something real, uh, uh, real inside. Uh, and as such, it is uh, valuable. These works are also valuable because the Bible tells us that God is the one who is working in us. That the works are really God's works. Isaiah 26 and verse 12, you have wrought all our works in us. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, it is God who works uh, uh, in you. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 21, working in you that which is pleasing, well-pleasing in his sight. And so the credit and the glory belongs to uh, uh, the Lord. Uh, God is not unrighteous to forget the things that uh, you have done, your work and your labor uh, of love. And this love, he says, is uh, a love that is towards his name, that is towards his uh, uh, name. Uh, and he mentions then that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. Yes, they ministered to the saints. They did so with the best motivation. Not because someone is my neighbor and perhaps I have a certain liking for them, but rather because they belong to the Lord. You have shown this love towards his name in that you have ministered unto the saints. <clears throat> uh, Mark chapter 9 and uh, verse 41 uh, whoever will give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ. In my name, because you belong to Christ. Notice that the Lord Jesus did not tell Peter, Peter, do you love my sheep? And then Peter said, yes. And then the Lord told Peter, all right, go ahead and feed them. What he told him was, do you love me? And then he said, uh, feed uh, my sheep. Notice also regarding uh, uh, this work and labor of love. Notice that it was continuing. Uh, it was uh, continuing. In that ye have ministered to the saints and you do minister. And you uh, do minister. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And we desire that every one of you show the same diligence. We do not want this to be a flash in the pan. We do not want this to be a phase that you uh, pass through. Uh, that you uh, pass through, 
uh, we want this diligence to continue to the very end. The word diligence <coughs> indicates exertion, uh, effort, eagerness, earnestness, willingness and zeal, quick movement, uh, passion. We want things to continue in the right way. We want this real working of the Lord in your hearts and lives to be the steadfast and continuing uh, reality. Think of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them unto the end. He loved them uh, unto the end. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13 says, Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of uh, Jesus uh, Christ. Uh, we want your love to continue. Uh, we want uh, this working uh, of the love to uh, continue. We desire that every one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance. Uh, to the full uh, uh, assurance. Uh, this word full in the Greek, <clears throat> some say that it's associated in particular with two images. We want full assurance of hope unto the end. One image is the image of a tree a tree that is filled with fruit, a tree that is filled uh, with, uh, with fruit, apples, oranges, or whatever uh, else it uh, may be. Uh, another image that uh, is used in Greek uh, that uh, often makes use of this word is uh, that of a sailboat. And uh, its sails are full of what? Full of wind. Uh, we want you to be uh, full of fruit. Uh, we want you to be full of uh, wind. Uh, we want you to have a fullness of assurance which will make you fruitful, which will move you forward in your spiritual uh, lives. We want you to have a hope to the end, to keep your eyes on the Lord and on his uh, promises. Difficult times were the portion of those who received this letter. They were facing affliction and persecution. Many of them, for the sake of their profession, of the Lord Jesus Christ, cast out of homes and families and uh, uh, loved ones turned away from them. We want you to have a hope to the end. Whatever the current difficulties and trials, it is true what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4 and verse 18, the path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. Unto the perfect day.
perhaps it is based upon that verse that someone, I don't know who, uh, it's an interesting saying, I've, I've never heard it ascribed to any person in particular, but it's been said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. And we want you to have a full assurance of hope unto the uh, end. Uh, we Now, if you look at chapter 5 and verse 11, it says, We have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, because you are dull of hearing. And actually, the translation there uh, could be, You have become dull of uh, hearing. Uh, we don't want you to be slothful. Uh, the Greek here uh, is a word, nothros. It literally means, no push. No push. We don't want you to be uh, slothful. Uh, a sloth on the ground uh, moves at lightning speed. Uh, 1.5 meters per minute. 1.5 meters, watch out, per minute. Now, in a tree, a sloth is faster, and it is said to be able to move in a tree at 3 meters per minute. Three meters per minute, uh, uh, per minute. The old nature is with me, and it is with you, and with every believer. A believer cannot lose his salvation. But the old nature can govern, can prevail, can control, and the result is that we are moving very slowly, dragging along, or maybe not moving at all. We do not want you to be slothful. We want you to be imitators, followers uh, of them, who through faith and patience inherit the uh, promises. Uh, through faith and patience they inherit the promises. Uh, he will mention uh, Abraham, uh, in verse uh, 13. Abraham received promises. But did Abraham receive the fulfillment of every promise he was given? He was promised a son, had to wait for a long time until that promise was fulfilled. There are some promises that Abraham looked for that have not been fulfilled yet. Chapter 11 and verse 10, uh, chapter 11 and verse 10 tells us, For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's yet to come. That is uh, uh, yet uh, to come. Abraham received promises, but the fulfillment of a promise which the Lord gives is not necessarily that uh, instant. Uh, is not necessarily uh, that uh, instant. There is a need to be patient. There is a need to look forward with hope. There is a need to be faithful and diligent. There is a need to wait 
Now, a person, as they wait, as they wait, they might have doubts in their mind of one form or the other. The purpose of God is to bless his children. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. This is the title of the program. Uh, this is the theme. Uh, this is the uh, summary. Uh, this is what is going to happen. From the very beginning, what did God say to Abraham? Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and verse 3. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, and curse them that curse you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I didn't count how many times the word bless or blessing appeared in a relatively short statement. <laughs> relatively short statement. And we could follow uh, uh, the story of Abraham, the life of Abraham as recorded in the book of Genesis and the Lord appearing to him at different times. And it's not only in that first appearance that the word bless is uh, featured. Uh, but in particular, we should note Genesis 22, and uh, beginning with verse uh, 16. Genesis 22, and beginning with verse 16, this is after, uh, 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 after Abraham obeyed when commanded to offer Isaac. Genesis 22 and verse 16. <clears throat> And said, this is the angel of the Lord from heaven. By myself have I sworn, says the Lord. For because you have done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. If we're in the book of Genesis, let's turn to chapter 24, and notice how the Lord keeps his word. Genesis 24 and verse 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Genesis 24, and also verses 34 and 35, the servant of Abraham speaking, and he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord has blessed my master greatly. The Lord has blessed my uh, master uh, greatly. When God made promise to Abraham, when God made promise to uh, Abraham, he made this promise in the strongest possible uh, terms. He swore by himself, uh, the Bible says. Now, if you go back to chapter 3 and verse uh, 11, chapter 3 and verse 11 says, So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. 
That was a swearing regarding judgment. And here we have a swearing regarding blessing. Uh, a swearing uh, with uh, regard to uh, blessing. Saying surely. Saying surely blessing I will uh, bless thee. This word surely is a word that first appears in the Bible. Uh, in the words of the Lord uh, to uh, Adam. You will not eat of this tree. In the day that you eat thereof, you will surely, uh, you will surely die. Uh, you will surely die. And uh, indeed, when he ate, there was, there was the result that the Lord had warned of. Now, again, that was in the case of judgment. But uh, we can think of the word in other places including Psalm 23 and verse 6, Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. I've spoken of uh, blessing and how the Lord addressed Abraham in those terms more than once. But let's not forget, multiplying, I will multiply you. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth and weeps, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again, bearing his sheaves. His sheaves with, uh, uh, with him. Uh, in multiplying, I will multiply uh, you. Revelation chapter 5 and verse uh, 11 uh, says uh, that I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the creatures and the elders. The number of them was what? 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. In the Greek system of numbering, which maybe the Romans took as well and used, if I'm not mistaken, the biggest number that had its own symbol was actually the number 10,000. So when you say 10,000, that's not the biggest number that they could imagine. I think that it's clear that they... Uh, could imagine numbers very, very large, but it's the biggest number they had a single word for. You know, they didn't have a number, let's say, million. They, they, they didn't have one. Uh, the biggest n number they had a word for was actually 10,000. Uh, 10,000s times 10,000s and thousands of thousands. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. Behold, a great multitude, which no man, no man could number, which no man could number, of all nations, kindreds, peoples, and tongues. Who are these who are arrayed in white robes? Where did they come from? Sir, thou knowest, he said unto me, these are they who came out of great tribulation and have washed their clothes washed their robes, and made them white in the blood 
of the land. In blessing, I will bless thee, and in multiplying, I will multiply uh, thee. I will multiply uh, thee. Now, this is said to Abraham. Again, does that mean press a button and that's what he received right away with no other experience of difficulty, hardship, with no challenges. Abraham faced famine and fear. He had to deal with disagreements with Lot and the evil behavior of Lot. Abraham fought battles against kings, plural. He had to deal with the temptation of being enriched with the, with the goods of Sodom. He had to deal with doubts about God's promises. He had to deal with the fact that Sodom was uh, judged and that Lot was there. Of course, he prayed to the Lord and beseeched him regarding uh, 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 Lot in particular. Abraham had to deal with the casting out of Hagar and Ishmael. He had to deal with the offering up of Isaac. He had to deal with the death of uh, Sarah. He patiently uh, endured, verse 15, and he obtained the uh, promise. Uh, Men verily swear by the greater, verse 16, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. What does it mean to uh, swear? As we understand things in the Bible, to swear is to call upon God, to witness to the truth of what is being said, to reward anyone who is speaking the truth, and in particular, maybe even more so, to punish anyone who is uh, lying. So part of what is involved in an oath is that I admit that I am wanting in authority, that there is a much higher uh, authority, the authority of God. That he's there, that he's righteous, and uh, that he cares about the truth uh, being uh, said. Men swear by the greater. An oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise. Unto the heirs of promise. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4, where we want to read verse 13. Romans chapter 4 and verse 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Verse 16 of Romans chapter 4, Therefore it is by faith that it might be by grace, to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. 
in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thee. I think it is clear, I think God's word teaches it, that this promise is a promise given to Abraham and to all believers, to all who are the children of Abraham in the real way that is in the spiritual way. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will uh, multiply uh, you, uh, the Bible says. Uh, Romans chapter 4 and verse 13 tells us that he should be the heir of the world. Now, what does it say in Revelation 21 and verse uh, 7? It says, he who overcomes, and that's a way of speaking of believers, shall inherit all things. What does it also say? It says, the meek will do what? Will inherit the earth. So we are speaking here of promises that pertain to every believer. God speaks to Abraham, who is the father of us all, who is the father of all who believe, and says to him, as he says to us, in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply uh, you. And remember that an oath is supposed to be for confirmation. It's supposed to be the end of all strife, the end of all sorts of disagreement. An oath is supposed to put an end to doubt. And the devil wants to sow his seeds of doubt in your mind and mine, in your heart and mine. The devil wants to come and say to you and to me, as he said to Adam and Eve, has God truly said? You don't really believe that God has said that he will bless you and that he will multiply you. You don't really think that this is the case. God says, yes, I have said this. Yes, I have promised this. And just to add to that in the way of confirmation, God says, yes, I have sworn. God willing to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his uh, counsel, uh, the unchanging nature of his plan, the unchanging nature of his uh, purpose. The word counsel, uh, it's not a passing idea that we are speaking of, uh, not the idea you walk out and say, oh, I want to do this, and then a minute later you change your mind and say, no, I want to do something else. Uh, something uh, else. In fact, the words that are used in these verses are words that have a legal uh, flavor uh, to them. Uh, the word which is used here, translated as counsel uh, in Greek, is often used of a person's will. You know, a person makes a will, he dies, all right? And then the will exists. No one changes it. No one changes it. It cannot be altered. 
God wants to make it clear that his plan is unchanging. His plan is immutable. The two immutable things uh, are most likely the word of God and the oath of God. The word of the Lord or his promise and the swearing, the oath of uh, the Lord. The purpose is for God's children to have a strong consolation. To have a strong uh, consolation. Uh, the word here, paraclesis, uh, uh, is a word that means calling someone to your side. Uh, that uh, God's children may be encouraged that his promise unto us may comfort us and strengthen us as one is comforted and strengthened by a companion who walks with him along the way. The Bible says in the Old Testament, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 16, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, who has loved us and given us an everlasting consolation and hope, good hope, through grace. What does the Bible say about Joseph? When I say Joseph, some of you are wondering whether I'm talking about Joseph of the Old Testament. Some of you are thinking that I might be talking about Joseph, the husband of Mary. No, I'm talking about Joseph in the book of Acts, who was by the apostles called Barnabas, being interpreted the son of consolation or encouragement. The son of uh, consolation. The Lord wants his children to be encouraged. Uh, the tense here is present continuous. So that we will always have a strong consolation. We who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope which is set uh, before us. Now, there are a couple of interesting uh, pictures uh, here. Uh, there is the hope which is set before us, which is later on referred to as an anchor which enters within the veil where Christ is. Now, if you think of that, there is a hope which is an anchor and it enters into the veil where Christ is. And therefore we can say that our hope is Christ himself. Our hope is Christ himself. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse uh, 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible uh, says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our hope. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is our hope. Colossians 1 and verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now that's one uh, a picture, uh, and we'll have a bit more to say about it, but let's speak of fleeing for refuge. We who have fled for refuge. 
things which accompany salvation, this fleeing uh, for uh, refuge is a way of thinking of uh, salvation. But it's a way of thinking of salvation that draws upon a certain picture found in the Old Testament, and that is the picture of the cities of refuge. The cities of uh, refuge. The cities of refuge were not for the murderer, for the one who killed with intent, who killed on purpose. The cities of refuge were for the one who had killed by accident. And he would go to those cities of uh, refuge and there he would be safe. Uh, It would be uh, safe from any uh, retaliation. It's interesting to remember some things about these cities. I'll mention these uh, things as uh, quickly as I can. Uh, These cities were centrally located uh, in the land. Uh, uh, They were accessible. Uh, Also, the law mentions something, if I'm not mistaken, about the roads leading to these cities. They had to be roads that were in good shape. Again, the accessibility of the cities of refuge. Some people uh, say that some of those cities were cities which had a certain elevation uh, so that they could be seen from a distance. And again, that would make things easier in terms of finding your way to, uh, uh, to a city of refuge. And the salvation of the Lord is accessible. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 11. The commandment which I give you is not hidden from you. It's not in heaven. So you should say who will go up to heaven and bring it down for us. Uh, Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us. The word is nigh unto you, even in your mouth and heart, that you may do it. Ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Cities of refuge were for everyone. Tall, short, fat, thin, rich, poor. But of course, Christ is better than the cities of refuge. And the book of Hebrews in general tells us that Christ is better uh, than all those things which pointed to him uh, in the Old Testament times. Cities of refuge, like I said, were for the one who had killed unintentionally by accident. Well, what if someone has committed murder? and then really and truly has repentance in their heart. The Lord forgives every sin. Come, let us reason together, says uh, the Lord. Uh, When you go to the city of refuge, you leave behind your family and your inheritance. But when we come to Christ, we gain an inheritance. Also, The person who went to the city of refuge had to stay there until the death of the high priest. But our high priest has already died and has risen uh, again. We who have fled uh, for refuge to lay hold. There is also in the Old Testament the laying hold of the horns of the altar, which may be referred to here as well. Uh, We have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope which is set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, the Lord Jesus Christ, as I mentioned. I am not my own anchor. I do not have in myself stability and security. I need an anchor. I need an anchor because there are winds and waves. 
I need an anchor because there are currents and because there are storms. An anchor will keep me in the right place. It will prevent me from drifting. If I drift, I might be wrecked. We should give Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 more earnest heed to the things that we've heard, lest at any time we should drift away from them. That's uh, a very accurate uh, translation. An anchor prevents a ship from losing ground, which it has already uh, crossed. What does he say in chapter 11? He says, if they were mindful of the country from which they came from, they might have gone back. They might have gone uh, back. An anchor is sure and steadfast. Brother Dan, have you been to the battleship Texas? Near Houston. Maybe you've been to uh, uh, some other ship like that. The Texas is actually, the Texas is actually an, old, an old one. Now, why do I mention the battleship Texas? Because that's one of the few times I've actually been on a ship. Of course, it's a ship that is in dry dock. It's a World War I a warship that served also in World War II, bearing the name of the state of Texas. And when the time came, this is what they do with ships. When the time came that it was old, they were going to scrap it and use the metal to build a new ship. But uh, the people of Texas said, no, no, no. And so they raised money to buy the ship from uh, the U.S. federal government. And it's now moored near the city of Houston. It's, uh, in essence, a floating museum. Uh, in essence, a floating museum. Now, it's not a very large ship. There have been, since then, ships much, much larger. The anchors of the battleship Texas, there are two of them. Each one of them weighs, each anchor weighs 8.6 tons. Each anchor. This is an old ship. This is a ship that is almost 100 years old. I think it was built in 19, maybe 1922, maybe. Uh, each anchor is 8.6 tons. There's a huge chain leading to the anchor. Now, when you're on the deck of the ship, all right, the anchor is, you know, over the edge. Uh, but you've got this huge chain, links this big, all right? If I'm not mistaken, each one of those links, a link in the chain, a link, 43 kilos. And I had the opportunity to go there more than once, and I've stood on the links of the chains, not the anchor, because remember, the anchor is hanging over the edge of the ship. And I've stood on the links of the chain, and standing and jumping on a link, a link. I was not able to get a link to move at all. At all. Sure and steadfast. Sure and steadfast. The Bible says, He is my rock and my salvation. I shall not be moved. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28, Receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, none of these things uh, move me. We have an anchor of uh, the soul. Again, some of the terms used here are legal terms. And uh, here what we have is the idea of a guarantee. 
storms and winds and waves, uh, but the Lord is unchanging. Now, our anchor actually doesn't go down to the bottom of the sea. Our anchor goes up into heavenly places. Uh, our anchor is uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. An anchor doesn't stop the storms, but it keeps the ship safe. It keeps uh, the ship safe. Someone has said, Christ is the pilot. The Bible is the compass. Hope is the anchor. Faith is the cable holding us to the anchor. The Holy Spirit is the wind uh, which uh, drives us. Uh, we have a hope. We have a Savior. He is the anchor of our soul. He has entered heavenly places on our behalf. Like the first scouts of an army, or like the first fruits of a harvest. Or sometimes people say, that in old times, a ship might come to a harbor and have trouble entering in. There would be a smaller ship that would come from, a, from inside the harbor, and it would drag the anchor of the bigger ship, so that even though the bigger ship was outside the harbor, the anchor of the big ship would actually be inside the harbor. Uh, would be inside uh, the harbor. He is our forerunner. He is the one who goes before his sheep. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Uh, let him uh, follow uh, me. Uh, the Bible says that we should run the race of patience looking unto him. He has gone before us in all things. Uh, he has entered heavenly places as our uh, forerunner. The high priest in the Old Testament entered the Holy of Holies on behalf of the people and as a representative of the people. But Christ is better. In what sense? Oh, many different ways. Among them, the people never entered with the high priest. But Christ has entered as our forerunner for us to follow him. For us to uh, uh, follow him. Uh, he has gone before us to glory. He is our high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The forerunner, our hope. Our hope and our anchor of uh, the soul. In blessing I will bless. In multiplying I will multiply. This the Lord has said, so that in all things his children will have a strong consolation. A strong consolation. You know, the psalmist did a good thing when he was discouraged. He didn't say, why God? Instead, he looked in the mirror and he said what? He said, why God? Am I cast down? Because there's no reason for it. There's no reason in God. There's no reason in God to be cast down. I need to look in the mirror and ask myself, why am I cast down? Why am I cast down? When the Lord has done all things to bless, to multiply, to confirm, 
and to encourage, to give us, who have fled for refuge, his Son, our Redeemer, to be an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, our forerunner. And as we follow him, we will know blessing upon blessing until that perfect day which the Bible speaks of. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray that you would bless it to the hearts of your children. We pray that you'd help us to know that there is no reason to be discouraged or cast down, no reason for our hearts to be disquieted within us. Because your promise is sure and steadfast. And so we should continue to show a love unto your name and to those who serve you. We should continue to be diligent unto the very end. We should not be slothful but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. We thank you, Lord, because you want to bless and multiply. We thank you because in all things you guide us to what is right and true, to what is glorious and blessed through the person of our Savior. He is our anchor sure and steadfast, the one who goes before us. In his name we pray and for his glory. Amen.